following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good evening, everybody. Hey, hey. Spring break's here. And so our crowd is a little challenged tonight. But I like a challenged crowd that looks like this. You folks are incredible. You always amaze me. Hey, anybody look to your left when you walked in today? Anybody? Isn't that tough? Isn't that good? Sunday when you left here, it was just a foundation. And now they've been working three days. And it looks like they've been working three months on that. I mean, it's just unbelievable how quick some people can do their work. And as quick as those guys can put those walls up next door, can you imagine the God that made them, how quick he can do something for you in your life? Can you imagine that? Next door tonight in the chapel, 20 to 25 young people are taking the plunge in water baptism tonight. That's so neat. That's so neat. And in here, we're going to hear the word of the Lord. Now, I always tell people that come to church, you'll love our music. You have to put up with me in just a little while. And so now's the put up with me time. And so it's an honor to stand here tonight and to bring the gospel to you. We've been having some pretty good church here on Wednesday night. I am, I am preaching sermons that I want to preach. It may not be what you want to hear but it's sermons that I want to preach. And so I'm excited about that and I'm thrilled about that and I, I'm gonna preach a sermon tonight that I wanna preach. And uh, it's been a good day all day long. It's been a good day. Pastor Brad is with a family tonight. Uh, Joe Andrew Trevino was violently killed two Sundays ago and uh, I baptized the young man several years ago, but he was violently killed in Corpus Christi. You probably saw it on the Austin News. 27-year-old young man. Brother and Sister Maldonado that go to our church here. It's their grandson. And, uh, and he, uh, he is, uh, his funeral will be tomorrow, and I will be speaking at that. I would, I would encourage you to pray for your pastor. Murders are not easy funerals to do. They're really not. But God's going to help us tomorrow, and he's going to be with us and going to stand beside us. And I appreciate the fact that I have him on my team. He's, he's with me. And uh, I'm really on his team, but he's going to help me tomorrow because I need him. Oh, I need him. So Brad's with the family tonight. He'll be slipping here in a little while. And uh, isn't Pastor Reed cool? Isn't he cool? He just. We're going to miss him. We are. His last Sunday is the 24th of this month, and we're going to miss him. And uh, he, he, said, he said, please ask me back to preach. I said, it'll be a couple of years. We'll have you back. Or I want him to really start missing us so he'll really appreciate coming back to CLC. Amen. Amen. I am so excited, folks, about the building. I'm so excited about it. I am thrilled that God is blessing us and he's helping us through this construction. And I want to thank you folks for for understanding that parking is going to be a problem for a while. And we're going to fix that on the backside of it. We're going to fix that. But I just thank you for just coming on and, and fighting and finding a way, not fighting each other, but fighting for a parking spot spot and, and uh, not banging into somebody and trying to beat them to a spot. But thank you for that. What a joy to have people that care about people. And uh, you're in the house tonight. And thank you for that. And I, I appreciate that very, very much. 
I'm going to ask you to stand before I minister tonight. I just like to have, Patty says, why do you have them stand? I said, because I want to. <laughs> I just want people to stand up. It's just called honoring the word of God, just honoring God's word. And tonight we're going to honor the word of God. The Bible said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Say it with me. As a man, as a man thinks, in his heart, thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23 and 7. Tonight, I'm speaking on the medicine of a cheerful heart. I'm going to talk about a cheerful heart tonight. And this is the last in the series, the last in the series, and we'll start something else next week, but I've preached enough of these. Everybody say, thank God for John Garza being healed. Thank you, Lord, for raising up Margarita White. Amen. And thank you, Lord, for touching baby Martinez. Wasn't she beautiful last week, little three-year-old kid? Wasn't that a beautiful thing? And tonight is the last of the messages that I will preach on sermons I want to preach. Turn to somebody and say, you look good and I'm not lying. And don't lie in church. (laughs) You may be seated. It seems like there's a lot of lying going on because you get louder. When you get louder, that means you're really trying to tell the story. If you're a guest tonight, we welcome you and we thank you for being here. Let's give our guests a great hand. We're happy to have you. You know, this Bible is a, is, is, is a serious book, but it's not deadly serious. I want you to get that. Have you ever thought that we might have been better off had we never printed the Word of God, the Bible, between black covers? The darkness between the, the Word? The novel, The Brothers Karamazov, characterizes the artificial life of the monastery as 25 men trying to be saints who sit around looking blankly at each other and eating cabbage. It's that kind of attitude that we have toward the Christian life and toward the Bible that is deadly. It's deadly. And I grew up in a church somewhat like that, deadly serious, deadly serious. All the saints seem burdened, most of the time sad. And all the sinners seem very happy. And I thought whatever they have is what I want. As a kid. That confused me as a child. We had a preacher though that come by one time. He was a real funny man out in West Texas. That referred to that attitude that some of those people carried as mule-faced Christians. I love that phrase. That's funny to me. You don't have to laugh. Even city-raised folks get that image. Mule-faced Christians. Every church has some. And some have passed through this congregation in the last 29 years. Thank God they hadn't stayed. It took me a while to learn it, but a serious Christian doesn't mean that I have to go around looking as if I've been baptized in lemon juice. (laughs) A serious Christian means that I need to be happy, I can be joyful, and I can be full of cheer. I read about a pastor who wrote a book, his autobiography called Dancing at My Funeral. 
He wrote about his own funeral and how he was going to dance at his own funeral in the spirit. You know, I, you know this, that there are some movies that your pastor likes, and I don't hold it from you. I, I enjoy, old brother, where art thou? I am a man of constant silence. I love that song. No, I'm not going to sing it. I'm preaching. And I enjoy Forrest Gump. You do too. You just, you just don't want to admit it. You've got a mule face on you right now. You don't want people to think that you're whirly. And I really, truly enjoy the two sister act shows. Sister Act 1 and 2, the first was the nuns, but I enjoyed the second one. The second was about kids. And I wish every person who came into any church, especially resistance, could see that movie, just kind of a start here class, especially for leadership people. It's about a group of kids led by Whoopi Goldberg that can sing a little bit, who transform a deadly serious group of priests and nuns on the last leg of their life into a lively, serious community. Songs like His Eyes on the Sparrow. When I hear it, it reminds me of that movie. Oh, oh, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. Or joyful, joyful, we adore you. Wow, the one they won the competition with. I will tell you that if I'm surfing, now I don't have a movie channel, but if I'm surfing and it comes up on one of them odd channels, I'm going to watch it till it finishes. Because I want to get to that last song. Joyful, joyful, we adore. I love it. (laughs) Music. Lively, celebrative music that is heard by the people and draws them in like a magnet. The Bible is a serious book. But it's not deadly serious. This book calls us to life. It calls us to abundant life. It calls us to joy. Joy that no one can take away. It's a book that calls God's people to celebrate. To clap their hands. And to shout unto the Lord for joy. Amen. Raise your voice right now and say hallelujah to that. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 17 says a cheerful heart is good medicine. And here's a twin parable to support that verse. Proverbs 15 and 15 says a cheerful heart has a continual feast. A continual feast. The medicine of a cheerful heart. Cheerfulness and laughter is a healing medicine for the soul and for the body. Proverb writer knew what has taken medical science a long time to discover that laughter is a healing medicine for the body and for the soul. In fact, when you laugh, it's called internal jogging. I don't jog a lot, but I laugh a lot. And I'm really in good shape on the inside. It releases endorphins. That bring healing to your body. And I love it. Serotonin that brings the right kind of thinking in your mind. What a joy. What a joy to exercise on the inside. Ha, <laughs> I've been fascinated by Norman Cousins. He passed away in 1990. But his testimony that he laughed his way to recovery from a serious illness. is He's modest about the claim that he made. He did not want others to be led into false hopes. But he did not even talk about what happened to him until 10 years after it happened. In fact, he got sick in one decade and wrote about it in the next decade. And only because a man named Adam Smith, the one that played our drums tonight, I'm teasing, 
mentioned it in his best-selling book, The Powers of the Mind. Because of the attention he received, Cousins decided that he would tell what happened in his own words, which he did in his book called The Anatomy of an Illness. Listen to this now. He contacted a fever, and within a week he was hospitalized. And his condition was diagnosed as arthritic degenerative disease. And the prognosis, at best, paralysis for life. And at worst, death. And his condition didn't improve when he was in the hospital taking medication. And the longer the stay, the more medication he took and the worse he got. So finally, one day, the doc came into his room and he said, Doc, can we do an experiment with, an experiment with some rather unorthodox therapy? And the doctor reluctantly agreed to listen to him because Cousins was a sharp guy. And Cousins' request was threefold. First, he said, I want to leave the hospital and I want to check into a hotel room across the street. Secondly, I want to stop all drugs that I'm taking right now and start taking massive doses of vitamin C. And third, I want to be allowed to view comedy films. <laughs> Alan Funt, then a candid camera man, was a good friend of Cousins and he supplied hours and hours of old videotapes of candid camera for him to look at and he also watched Laurel and Harley and the Street Three Stooges, my favorite. <laughs> and the doctor agreed to all this. And the results were immediate and dramatically a turn for the better. There was a considerable controversy over what happened. Many doctors say that it was a placebo and that he would have gotten well anyway. There's always doubters. I don't want to get into that, but it's not my business. The fact that Norman Cousins was cured of a dreadful disease, he believes that laughter had a great deal to do with his recovery. And laughter did, he said to him, what drugs didn't. Laughter relaxed him so that he could sleep at night. Laughter changed his attitude so he was optimistic about the future. And laughter seemed to encourage his body's own intrinsic recuperative powers. The evidence has become more and more convincing. The connection between mind and body, our attitudes not only contribute to our sickness and our disease, but also to our healing. Amen. In fact, Nehemiah said in 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you're weak today and you want to have some strength, start rejoicing in the Lord and get a little laughter in your heart and get a cheerful heart in your spirit. However, not only does laughter and cheerfulness provide medicine for the physical life, but it provides it for our minds and our emotions and our spirits and our relationship. You know what? You know why there's a lot of sickness? I think we've lost the ability to just laugh. And I'm not going to try to have a laughing service here tonight. I just think we've, I'm teaching a serious lesson. I think we've lost the ability to smile and to giggle. And to, and, to, and to have what we call old-fashioned belly laughs. I think we've lost that. I think we're so serious. God, turn the news off and laugh. Amen. Turn some of that stuff off on your TV and start laughing a little bit. There's still a God in heaven that loves you, and he loves you real big. And he wants to take you to a real heaven. And he wants to heal you of real diseases. And he wants to help you with real problems. There is a God. I'm speaking about the medicine of cheerfulness. Monty Roberts, a.k.a. the Horse Whisperer, they made a movie about him starring Robert Redford years ago, and he was 18 years old and a senior in high school. And the class was asked to write an essay of where they thought they would be or wanted to be in 10 years, and the teacher said, tell me your dreams. And Monty wrote his quickly because he knew what he wanted. He knew exactly what he wanted. And he wrote, in 10 years, I want to own a horse farm with at least 200 acres. I want to be a horse trainer for all of America and the world. I want to make $200,000 a year. That's at 28 back in his day. 
I want to live in a 4,000 square foot house. I want to be in demand of people who desire my techniques on horse training. And when he turned in his paper, the teacher graded it and gave him a huge big old red elf. And called him to the desk and said, you are dreaming a pipe dream, Monty. This is not a dream. It's a complete impossibility to do this in 10 years. So go home and rewrite your goals and rewrite your dreams and make them palatable. He said, I will give you a second chance on your essay. So he went home and spent the whole weekend trying to narrow his scope of his thinking. And he came back on Monday and turned his essay back in. It was the same one he had written originally (laughs) with the same red elf on it. And he said to the teacher, ma'am, I tried to take your advice. I really desired to please you in my goals, but I've decided to tell you something. Ma'am, you can keep your elf and I'll keep my dream. I like people like that. He became one of the most desired horse trainers to ever live. The horse whisperer. He's still alive. He's 83 years old. He's still alive. The horse whisperer. He became the queen of England's horse trainer. He wrote, think big, dream big, big results. Horse whisperer, Monty Roberts. And here's what I told all of that to tell you this. Here was his motto. Whatever rules your mind, rides your back. I'm going to stop right here. Don't, don't take that off. Whatever rules your mind, rides your back. So if frustration is continually in your mind, if frustration and problems and all kinds of issues are continually in your mind, that's going to ride your back. But if joy is in your mind, if the peace of God is in your mind, there's going to be peace on your back. There's going to be joy on your back. There's going to be help on your back. It's time for us to start thinking right. It's time for us to start thinking right. Paul stood before Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. He was headed to Rome for the second time and he knew he wasn't going to come back. He knew he was going to die this time. But as he stood in front of Agrippa, he told Agrippa, he said, I wish you were like me except for these chains. I really do. And Agrippa said, you've almost persuaded me to be a Christian. But the second verse of that 26th chapter, Agrippa said, Paul, would you like somebody to speak for you or do you want to speak for yourself? And Paul said, in those chains headed to Rome to die, he said, I'll speak for myself. I think myself happy. Those four words have turned my life into whatever God has wanted in my life. Because if Paul could stand before the leader and tell him, I think myself happy, going to prison, going to die, and realize that there was a God bigger than Agrippa and a God bigger than those chains and a God bigger than the prison, the Mamertine prison in Rome. There was a God that was greater than all of that. And that God not only was there, he made Paul happy. Come on, somebody clap your hands and rejoice in that. It's time. And Monty went on to say, you're not what you eat, but you are what you think. Oh, I could talk about that. There's a great connection between the mind and the body. And our attributes contribute to our sickness and our disease, but also our healing. It's a medicine for the whole self. I want to give you three affirmations tonight. I want to speak three affirmations to you. And I want you to write these down because I think they're important to write. Put them on your refrigerator and look at them. I think these affirmations are something you need to get a hold of. And here's the first one. 
I'm happy that I can be unhappy. Explain that, Pastor. Well, I'm going to try. If I get lost, y'all help me. It sounds strange, doesn't it? I do not want to give even a hint of being a Pollyanna. That everything's just going to be fine. It's just going to be fine. Just smile. It's going to be fine. Not, I'm not preaching that. This is serious stuff. Life is serious. A lot of thinking and talk about happiness is superficial. And I will not fall into that snare with you tonight. But I'm happy that I can be unhappy. I read of a man who was going to jump off of a bridge into the river. And another man seeing him there got out on the bridge and said to him, now let's talk about this for a while. And after talking for a while, they both jumped into the river. (laughs) The story reminded me of this saying, show me a guy who has all his problems behind him him, and I'll show you a school bus driver. (laughs) That's the funniest thing I've said all night and you didn't even catch it. There are many, many reasons for us to be unhappy. And we need to confess that. I'm not happy because of. I'm not happy, God, because of. Confess that. And I mentioned earlier about my boyhood image of a mule-faced Christian. Can I give you another image? Let me give you the image of a rooster tonight. Most of you have seen roosters in a barnyard. How many haven't? Boy, you, we got a country church here. <laughs> Roosters think they're pretty hot stuff, don't they? They do. They strut. They preen. They chase the hens. Have you ever seen a rooster crow? Get that picture in your mind. The rooster puffs up his chest and throws back his head and lets out a mighty squawk. It will raise you up on a farm morning. A picture of self-assurance, self-confidence, of owning the world. But I read a poem one day that talked about a rooster who pronounces himself, even though all his sons may be killed and may be eaten by the local pastor at lunch that day. And in the poem, the writer says, I was glad that I could be unhappy after he wrote this poem. I'm glad I could be unhappy because a rooster is gleeful in the morning. He crows. As though he's crowing, as though his crowing brings on the day. But the rooster's brain is about the size of a little chickpea, if it's that large. He doesn't even have the capacity to register what's happening to his sons, what's happening perhaps to his daughters, or to care about anything other than himself. That's why I say I'm happy that I can be unhappy. Human beings have the capacity to feel beyond ourselves, and to feel the pain of others and to register the joys but also the sorrows of a world beyond our own personal experience. If you don't know it yet, this isn't all about you. It's all about us. We're all in this together. And when we come to the church service on Wednesday night, we all need to leave here feeling better about ourselves and feeling better about the God in our life. And I want everyone to know that I care about you hurt today. I care about your pain today. I care about your heartache today. But I want you to know that there is a God that says happiness and cheerfulness is a good medicine in your life. I go to Bible study with a man that did three tours in Vietnam. 
He was at church two Wednesday nights ago and he wrestles demons. We have men in this church that have been at war and they wrestle all that PTSD stuff and I don't even understand it. But I know that they hurt and I know that there's pain and I know it hurts bad and I don't wanna, I don't wanna put that down. But I wanna tell you, I'm preaching to you tonight. There is a God in heaven that wants to lift that burden off of you, that wants you to smile and rejoice because he loves you. He wants to help you. There are women in this building tonight that are single parents that a husband's walked out on and you got those kids by yourself and you say to yourself before you go to bed, I can't make another day. And I'm preaching to you tonight because God says you can make another day. Another day can be had by you. You can live in victory tomorrow. Come on, clap your hands. There's some of you dads in this house and you've lost your job and you're embarrassed because you have no job to provide for your children. But listen to this, pastor. Please listen to me. There is a God, your heavenly father, that says I've got something better for you. You need to rejoice. You need to rejoice and be glad. For this is the day that I have made for you. And we're gonna rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, let me preach to you a little bit. God is for you. God is for you. And I am so happy that I can be unhappy. A young man came on the porch tonight. He's my friend. He's my buddy. He said, Pastor, I prayed for you today. And I said, thank you, man. Thank you. He said, because today was the day I lost my dad too. And I said, thank you. And I woke up this morning. And the last thing that I thought I would ever be preaching on this night would be the joy of the Lord is my strength. I thought I'd be preaching about how to get through something. Because 38 years ago today, I lost everything but that sweet baby girl over there. A wife and a son. Now, I know I mentioned it, but it's my life. I'm sorry, it's just who I am. Please don't, please don't choke on it one more time. But I told my wife, I said, babe, I'm gonna be preaching on the joy of the Lord tonight. I'm gonna be preaching on cheerfulness. And she said, baby, God must have done a healing job on you. And I said, he has. And I could stand here right now. If I could jump, I would jump. There was a day when I had a six inch vertical leap. But now it's shrunk to about two. I can't even do a Toyota commercial and click my heels anymore. Because I'm afraid I can't get my feet back down quick enough. But I do know one thing. I have understood the cheerfulness of the Lord and the joy of the Lord and the peace that only God can give and the strength that only God can give. And so tonight, I'm just gonna laugh real big and say he has kept me all these years. He's brought me here. He's brought my baby girl here. He's brought us into this place. And I'm gonna rejoice and I'm preaching to you tonight. You can rejoice over your situation. You can rejoice over your problem, you can rejoice. You can live in the land of victory. I am so happy that I can be unhappy. It's only after we honor that affirmation that the other affirmations may have the depth and the seriousness they deserve. Second affirmation. 
I'm happy that I can be happy with myself. Put your hand on your chest and say, self, get happy. Come on, rejoice. Come on, come on. I want, to th- I want you to think about that in two ways. First, I want you to claim your unique identity. Look at your hand and say, there's not another one of these in the world. In the world. You don't believe that, do you? Put your fingerprint down. You mess up, they catch you because you're the one who got that fingerprint. <laughs> Get your DNA tested. Nobody's got DNA like you. Everybody say, I am unique. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. And I want to tell you something. I want you to hear this. You got to claim your unique identity. Let me speak about self-esteem. Everybody in this house is a beautiful person. Everybody in this house is beautiful. Everybody here. God made you gorgeous. He doesn't make junk. So look at that enemy of your soul and say, I'm going to. I used to preach for a guy in Nacogdoches, Texas, and he had two kids that were the cutest kids. They talked real country, you know, like this. They talked real country. And the eight-year-old one day told the 10-year-old, if you don't leave me alone, I'm going to kick you right in the can. <laughs> and the 10-year-old said, uh-uh, you ain't going to kick me in the can. I'll block it. I'll kick you in the can. And when I tell you, I want them to say can about 100 times. Because nobody can say can like those Nacogdoches country boys of the preacher. I'm declaring you need to kick the enemy in the can and let him know that I got some self-esteem today. I belong to a God that created me and he made me right. He made me right. Come on, don't let hell win the battle in your mind. Don't let hell win the battle in your mind. You win that. There's not a more healing medicine in any one of us than to be happy in celebrating ourselves. There's an older man that came in tonight. He's got hair all over his head. All over his head. And Dr. Millett and Kathy were coming in right behind him. And I said, Doc, look at that. Of course, Dr. Millett's just like me. We're twins. And I said, God's not fair, is he? And Dr. Millett said, we don't have none of that, Pastor. And you know what? It's okay. Because God made a few perfect heads. The rest he had to cover with hair. Everybody say, I'm going to celebrate myself. I'm going to celebrate myself. The other aspect of this is the healing medicine of laughing at ourselves. Can you laugh at yourself? Can you laugh at yourself? This is a good stuff, right? Can you laugh at yourself? Oh, you can laugh at others. Can you laugh at yourself? There's a story about a man running down a pier headed for a ferry boat. He thought he was going to miss that ferry boat. He was dressed in such a way to convey the fact that he was a man of status, 
a man who concerned about his dignity. He had a pinstripe suit on. He carried a black umbrella in one hand and a black leather briefcase in the other. And as he ran toward the ferry boat, he kept waving his umbrella and shouting, thinking that he was going to miss the ferry. He ran all the way to the end of the pier, but the ferry was out in the water. And he fiercely jumped and landed safely on the deck, but just busted himself real bad. He was very proud of himself that he had made it. He straightened up himself and put his tie back on right and recovered his dignity, only to discover the ferry wasn't leaving. It was coming in. (laughs) Could you laugh at yourself if you had done that? We laugh at that story because it happened to somebody else. Yet the same kind of thing happens to most of us, and to some it happens frequently. We need to be able to laugh, to laugh at ourselves. I took our kids one time. I'm almost finished. Let me finish. I took our kids one time down to Fiesta, Texas. That was probably 15 years ago when I hadn't been back. I really enjoyed the day. (laughs) I said, I'll be back someday, and I probably will, but I'll just be waving at it as I go down to pay the golf course right down there behind it. And I went into one of these places where you do karaoke, you know, to music. You do karaoke. And I went into one of these places, and, 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 and I, that Bob Seger song always kind of blessed me. Just take them old records off the shelf. I sit and listen to them. Please don't think I'm worldly or carnal. I'm just preaching. I'm just teaching you some lessons tonight. So I wanted to sing that song. So I said, hey, let's sing that old-time rock and roll song. And I had three daughters and my wife over here against the wall. And they were going to listen to dad. I was going to cut them a record. I say, I'm going to put this in posterity and y'all going to have it when I'm gone someday. We threw that thing away. <laughs> but when, when the music started, I knew before I ever hit the first note, it was too high. But I wanted to sing it for my kids. So I said, just take them all records off. <laughs> and time I got through the first chorus, it was like I had been hollering all night. I had lost my voice. <laughs> but the music kept playing and I was going to sing. And I looked over to my left and my wife was in the floor. My three daughters were in the floor. And they had fallen on each other and they were crying. They was laughing so hard. And I have never made another record for them because they laughed me to scorn. But I've laughed about that so many times. And I remember when we was doing an Easter play next door here and we was doing the life of Simon Peter and, and it was a little old bitty building next door but we was trying to do this thing about Peter. And so I said, ladies and gentlemen, the life of Simon Peter. I announced it. The lights went off and I stepped to walk to my to my seat and I forgot there was a step there and all the congregation heard was splat I fell so hard and then the lights came on because they thought something had gone wrong here I was laid out you got to learn to laugh at yourself but I guess my favorite thing that probably will be told at my funeral used to have a young man here who uh who wanted me to counsel him every night after church and every night not at church. He always had a question. Pastor, I just got one question, just one question. This won't take five minutes. And he had found him a girlfriend, so he was, he was concerned about what that girl thought about him. He said, Pastor, I, just, I need some advice. And I said, son, we got guests here tonight. Patty's brother was here and preached for us. And I said, we got guests here tonight. I said, we're going to Applebee's. I said, come go with us. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I'm going to counsel you at Applebee's. 
because I knew it wasn't serious. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I wasn't putting him off, but he, 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 every night, it was every night. So we get to Applebee's and I said, pick up your menu. There they go. There they go. And he picked up his menu and I said, now nobody over here can hear us. Watch your question. And my brother-in-law, Scott, still to this day, will walk up to me and say, can I counsel you? You got to learn to laugh at yourself. Come on, let's laugh real big about ourselves. Come on, laugh real big about yourself. Randy, if you'll help me. I am happy because laughter puts things in perspective. It can save us from ourselves and from the oppressive burden of perfectionism and from the perversion of thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. I'm happy. And I hope you are that I can laugh at myself for a cheerful heart is good medicine. And the third, the third thing I want to share with you is I'm happy that my happiness does not depend on circumstances. Clap your hands on that. The supporting proverb of the day. A cheerful heart has a continual feast. That proverb follows this statement. All the days of the poor are hard. They're hard. Give me three minutes and I'll finish. I see some people getting restless. I'm sorry. To place that proverb after that statement makes it more significant. All the days of the poor are hard, but a cheerful heart is a continual feast. Our biggest problem is our attitudes toward our problems. That's our biggest problem. No one can deny that we have problems, unbelievable problems, but we think they're unsolvable. We can't deny those problems in America. We can't deny our problems in our city. Some things take the breath out of us. But we have personal problems and illnesses and loneliness and death of loved ones and threatened divorces and loss of jobs. But I contend our biggest problem is our attitude toward our problems. I'm happy that my happiness does not depend on circumstance. I can determine my attitude toward my circumstance. A young Jewish girl in the Holocaust hid in a cave. She died shortly before the Allied army broke out and won against the German stronghold. But before she died, she had scratched on the walls three things in that cave, which were her living witness to the world. And in that depressing, dangerous, life-threatening situation, this is what she wrote. Listen to this. She said, I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. I believe in love, even when feeling is not. And I believe in God, even when God is silent. I'm glad we have this proverb. It means a lot to me. A cheerful heart is a good medicine. But I have a final word for you, and here it is, my final word. I'm happy that we have proverbs, but I'm happier that we have a gospel. The gospel of great deliverance, the gospel of forgiveness, the gospel of salvation, the gospel of healing. It's a gospel of great purpose. It's a gospel of great trust. Jesus said in, Luke, in John 16, 33, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Come on, put a smile on your face. Laugh a little. He said, I have overcome the world. And if he can overcome the world, 
He can carry us through every situation in our life. I grew up in West Texas where I grew up. They had a saying, that's good for what ails you. And tonight, what I have shared with you is good for what ails you. Why don't you just try? Just try letting God's joy arrest your life. Just try it. Just try looking at things from a different perspective. Just give it a shot. Just try. Just try. Would you stand up? You're incredible people. Clap your hands for the word tonight. Receive it to yourself. I love you. I love you. I love you. I apologize. I've gone four or five minutes over. I'll make it up to you next week and I'll go 10 over. No, I won't. I apologize. But I got beside myself tonight. I really did. I want you to raise your hands and I want you to say, Lord, I want to have a cheerful heart. I want to have a cheerful mind. I want to have a cheerful life. I don't want problems to become my problem. I want to live in victory and in faith and in strength. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's my strength. It's my strength. It's my strength. Come here, mister. I've had a show and tell every Wednesday night, and I close tonight with my oldest girl, six years old, when she was riding with her mom and her little brother, and tragedy happened. I wasn't in the car. And somehow, two men, a black man, a white man, got her out of the car, cut her seatbelt, got her out, and 15 seconds out of the car, the whole car exploded. She was saved by 15 seconds. And she wrote today, I don't know why God spared me. I do. He spared her so she could be a part of my life and a part of this church's life. And to marry a wonderful man and to have two beautiful sons that God's got his hand on. And so I just want her to be my stand-in here tonight. I love my Misty. She's pretty special. The firstborn, the excellency of my might. She's going to get a little kiss right now. I love you, baby. I love you, baby. I love you. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I bless you in the name of the Lord tonight. You can leave when you get ready. We're going to sing you out of here. But why don't you take a little time just to tell somebody before you run to your car. Tell somebody, hey, I'm glad I was in church with you tonight. Let's have a great week and come back Sunday morning, 9, 10, 30 at noon for another great